You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Keith Biondo, publisher of Inbound Logistics Magazine. According to Wikipedia, logistics is the management of the flow of things between the point of origin and the point of consumption in order to meet the requirements of customers or corporations. Now, while that may sound simple and clear-cut, the reality is often quite a bit more complex. So Keith, what exactly does inbound logistics mean? Inbound logistics is a a business philosophy uh, that we try to uh, bring to our readers which explains to them the benefits of matching demand to supply. When we started out early in 1981, the uh, transportation and logistics uh, uh, profession really pushed the product at the market. What happened uh, back then was is that uh, there were functional silos of transportation, logistics, purchasing, warehousing, finance, and they pretty much optimized uh, those functions independent of working across uh, the boundary with other functions. And that worked well for, for many, many years. Uh, transportation was managed very efficiently, and, and in terms of in the U.S., it really generated a, a large uh, manufacturing uh, and retail base that uh, handled transportation in a very efficient manner. When we decided to uh, publish Inbound Logistics, we felt uh, that was 1981, and uh, the economy was a little tough. That was uh, during uh, Jimmy Carter's tenure as a president, Uh, and as he said, there was a malaise over the land. Uh, U.S. companies uh, at that time were having difficulty uh, competing globally, so we felt if we um, promoted the idea to them of, uh, instead of pushing things at the market, arranging their business process to let their demand signals pull uh, from their suppliers through them, uh, it would result in a couple of uh, efficiencies right away. So, for example, if you had a vendor uh, back uh, then uh, and uh, you ordered something from him, typically you would get freight included. So the vendor would select the carrier, let's say it's a trucking company in this case, uh, and then you would get billed for the product, and you would also get billed by your vendor for the transportation. And that's kind of simple if it's just one vendor. But suppose you're a large company and you have 500 vendors sending you product. Well, in that case, uh, they might be doing business with 120 different trucking companies. So uh, if you think about that for a moment, you see that you're buying uh, transportation uh, retail. And uh, one of the ways that you can make that more efficient, particularly from a cost and managerial uh, perspective, is that you uh, send a routing guide list to your vendors and say, these are our approved carriers, they perform well for us, they offer premium services, please just use them. And so right off the bat, what that did is it made your uh, management uh, of the transportation purchase a little bit uh, easier because there were less variables to manage. But it also uh, took your vendor out of the brokerage business because invariably um, when you got a bill for transportation from your vendor, you didn't get the exact amount usually from the trucking company uh, 
there was uh, some kind of markup for them for handling the process. So uh, now you're pulling transportation rather than, than letting the vendors push it at you. So that in this very basic form uh, was, was one thing that we hoped to, uh, to bring to our readership base back at that time. And the controlling aspect of that enabled you to save money and be more agile uh, and, and have less management uh, uh, of, of that process. There's a, a deeper aspect to it once you get into that. If you begin to control the inbound flow of your product, moving beyond that basic uh, aspect, uh, you would tend to match your buy signals uh, to what is coming from your suppliers. As, uh, uh, as you got a buy, buy signal, uh, you would order product, and some people call that just in time, but that's uh, really a misnomer in most cases because uh, you don't really need a just in time uh, procedure for, for most companies. Uh, back then, uh, what used to happen is the purchasing manager would negotiate the best unit cost for a particular item, uh, buy a lot of it because that's usually how you got the best unit cost, uh, and then the warehouse manager would have to arrange for a lot of warehouse space to uh, to keep this product that the purchasing manager did a good job of getting at good cost. So right there, if you think about that for a moment, you have a purchasing manager optimizing his or her function, uh, but you have a warehouse manager now de-optimizing their function because they have to arrange for a lot of space. Uh, also, too, when you buy a lot of product uh, and you go into your warehouse and you look on the shelves, that's not product, that's money. Okay, so uh, essentially what you're doing is you're warehousing money and then of course you have to pay for the uh, infrastructure related to uh, warehousing uh, those products or, or money in this case. So it was inefficient uh, to the extent that you would overbuy product just to make sure you always had product on hand to serve your customers. What we were saying is create a pathway through your company so that you can get these buy signals uh, aligned more appropriately with your demand so you could reduce the amount of inventory that you have on hand still serve customers effectively and reduce the inventory touches and use those savings uh, to be able to offset some of the competitive disadvantages uh, that you might have with other uh, global uh, competitors. So we uh, put together a educational publication to take that and other related messages uh, to market and today that idea which we call demand-driven logistics back then uh, or inbound logistics has evolved into the practice of supply chain management. What do you consider the major mile markers along the development road to inbound logistics and supply chain management? You might have a philosophy that changes the way you uh, conduct your business process and you might have the will to align your business process to support that uh, uh, new philosophy, new, new business philosophy. But if you don't have the tools uh, or the juice to do it, uh, it's not going to go very well. Okay. So a moment ago I mentioned that uh, many corporations back in the day were arranged in functional silos. And so you would optimize the transportation function and you might de-optimize another function. Uh, you would optimize the purchasing function and you might de-optimize, let's say, the warehousing function or the finance function. Uh, so I think the first mile marker is that companies realize that the practice of logistics really could be a change agent. So for me, I think the, uh, the idea that logistics would uh, float to the executive level, to the line of business managers, uh, and move above the functional silos, 
the acceptance of that idea, which took many, many years uh, to, uh, to occur, uh, was one major mile marker. The fact that you recognize a problem uh, or an opportunity uh, means that you uh, could begin the, uh, the process of changing it. Uh, so I think that's most important for me. The other major mile marker, uh, we have an annual third-party logistics issue, a 3PL issue. In fact, we coined the term 3PL. Um, and, and basically what that meant is that if you're going to control the inbound flow of, of product and you're going to seek to match it uh, to your demand signals, it was, in most cases, more complex than just pushing product at the market and hoping for the best. And, and that uh, complexity argued for outside expertise. Uh, people who uh, had the tools, uh, the relationships, uh, but most importantly, the experience and the expertise to master this new complex way of, of doing business, in effect, to help your enterprise be change. So uh, a third-party logistics provider or 3PL uh, would be acting to administer this much more complex logistics uh, orchestration, if you will, uh, but also would uh, help to uh, tear down some of the functional silos and to allow functions within an organization to act in concert, and so therefore they would be a, a change agent. So I think the advent of outside uh, expertise in the form of 3PL uh, is, uh, is another major mile marker along the road. Uh, the beauty of that is is that a, a, an outside uh, enterprise like a third-party logistics provider could work directly with vendors uh, and can aggregate the knowledge from many, many different customers and, and bring best practices uh, to you along with administering your logistics process. But uh, another um, very important uh, development along the uh, continuum to move from uh, the push to the pull uh, administration of logistics would be uh, technology. Uh, and uh, when we started, there was technology available. Of course, the internet really didn't exist, uh, although it was growing up along as, as uh, we proceeded to take this, uh, this idea to our readers. Uh, but much of the technology back then was major corporations, uh, like an SAP, and the technology was only available to uh, those who had the, uh, the wherewithal uh, and the time uh, to apply very complex technological solutions. So I think uh, for us, uh, the internet, uh, software as a service, uh, many of these uh, technological developments, which we term logistics IT, uh, and we have an annual uh, logistics IT issue as well as an annual 3PL issue, uh, indicating that we think that they are still important mile markers along this continuum. Uh, this uh, low-cost technology, this technology for the masses, uh, enabled companies uh, to, to make the changes and to manage the complexity that they wouldn't normally be able to do, uh, particularly with the explosion of uh, global commerce. Uh, these uh, technological tools, uh, some of them uh, paid by the transaction, uh, which made it available to companies of any size, really enabled uh, this demand-driven philosophy to be acted upon. So I would say those three things, the acceptance of the idea that the uh, CEO, corner office, executive suite uh, understood the need for tearing down functional silos and recognizing that logistics could be a change agent, 
the advent of outside help in the form of 3PLs, and of course uh, the enablement, uh, global visibility, global uh, ability to manage uh, across functions, uh, technological tendrils going back to your vendors and forward to your customers, all of that was made possible by what we call logistics IT. The practice of inbound logistics can help you better manage transportation, speed and reduce inventories. What ways can that practice open up new markets and help you serve customers better? In a couple of different ways. Uh, the, uh, the advent of uh, big companies, let's say like uh, Walmart, Amazon, Google, uh, many of the, uh, the retailers like Lowe's and Home Depot, have very stringent requirements for you to uh, sell to them. And so if you have a demand-driven logistics regime, you can uh, align your process to be as efficient as possible and keep the lowest pricing for your products, enable, enabling you to uh, have a better chance at, at serving uh, some of these big retailers uh, or e-commerce companies uh, because honestly they're looking for the lowest uh, cost product. So if you're managing your uh, supply chain as efficiently as possible uh, with an eye towards the total cost of logistics ownership and if you are um, amping the practice to the extent that you're driving down your uh, inventory in the pipeline and using those savings uh, to keep your product cost low, uh, then certainly it gives you a, uh, an advantage over others that are not uh, doing that. Another way that uh, the practice of inbound logistics can help uh, is in the, uh, the global arena. It can actually help you uh, compete with others, uh, competitors for example, that have a lower labor cost than you might have. Uh, so the savings, uh, again keeping an eye towards the total cost of logistics ownership uh, and keeping the inventory in process down as low as possible and of course the investment to carry that inventory in both cash and infrastructure costs uh, can allow you to offset a lower labor cost uh, from some competitors uh, that, that you might find in the, in the, the global market. The other uh, interesting thing is that when you align your business process to uh, really be driven by your demand signals, it speeds the flow of your product, okay, because you're not taking a stop off at various uh, warehouses and inventory uh, spots. Uh, what you're doing is you're having the product move quickly, uh, reduce the touches, uh, and there are various ways uh, uh, that can be done. And so uh, ultimately you're beginning to use time as a competitive weapon. So the time to market becomes very important as you're opening up new markets or as you're serving some of uh, these large e-commerce customers. Uh, they want the product quickly. Uh, there's a term which we coined called supply chain impatience and it's really driven by consumer impatience. And so if you're waiting for your vendors to push product at you, uh, that's one cycle time, okay? But if you're driving the process by matching uh, your entire enterprise to your demand signals, you're using that uh, cycle time increase uh, as a competitive weapon to outflank some competitors that might not be uh, doing it that way. So I think in those fundamental ways, 
uh, inbound logistics, uh, demand-driven logistics, supply chain management uh, can act as a change agent internally to create efficiencies within the enterprise, but more importantly, uh, in these cases, it can actually uh, act as a marketing pathway to get customers uh, more satisfied, satisfied uh, more quickly, and at a lower cost. Okay, so then in your opinion, Keith, should all companies be practicing inbound logistics? The practice of inbound logistics is not right for every uh, company. There are certain commodities, really, that it, it, it's a closed loop. Uh, it really doesn't make sense for you to, uh, uh, to change uh, the process because the incremental savings won't be there in those commodity groups. However, uh, for many, many companies, we believe that inbound logistics, uh, which, which started as a way to better manage transportation, has evolved uh, to act as a, a, a grassroots way to change an enterprise to being more agile and more scalable, to being more responsive to customers, to using time as a competitive weapon, uh, and to understanding the total cost of logistics or supply chain ownership uh, at every step uh, in what a company does and act to amplify uh, those efficiencies to make the company better global competitors. So for most, yes. Excellent. Keith, thank you so much for taking the time out to sit with the show. The Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation, and supply chain practices, get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. All of these links will be available in the show notes. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.